Today, um, we're, we're not, you, normally I read the passage of scripture that we're going over, but today, we're, uh, as we've gotten to this point in Joshua, where we're covering big pieces at a time because there's so much description uh, and details that we don't need to really get into, we're going to focus on some of the principles that we see in this passage. And today, uh, there's two key principles that we're going to look at, the Levites' inheritance and Caleb. Caleb is one of my favorites. So um, before we go into this, let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness of it. Thank you how it instructs us and teaches us and challenges us, how it renews our mind and makes us see things from your perspective instead of man's perspective. So Lord, as we... As we look at these passages, I pray that you would help us to apply it to our own lives, that we'd see how it's meant for us today. Lord, we pray for those online, for the guests that are here this morning, for all of us that are here, that your Holy Spirit would be free to work in us and to teach us through this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we've come to this part in Joshua where now they've conquered the land. We're in chapters 13 through 15. God had fulfilled this 400-year-old promise. Imagine that, keeping, hanging on to a promise for 400 years, generation after generation after generation. And finally, it has come to pass. They've got that land through which Abraham wandered during his lifetime when he heard God promise him that it would belong to his descendants. They'd been miraculously delivered from slavery in Egypt through the miracle of the plagues on Egypt. They'd been sustained in the wilderness for 40 years. They'd conquered tribes on both sides of the Jordan River. They'd witnessed the hand of God stop the Jordan River at flood stage all day so they could cross the river. They'd seen the walls of Jericho fall flat and they'd watched the hailstones defeat their enemies. God rained hailstones on the, on the evil Amorites. They knew God was in their midst. They knew they were God's chosen people. But I don't think that they understand, they understood the full extent of the promises that God had given to Abraham. He had promised, God had promised, that he would be, Abraham would be a father of many nations, not just Israel. He'd promised his offspring would bless the entire world. And the Apostle Paul explains in Romans chapter 4 that the true descendants of Abraham, those many nations that were promised, are actually not physical lineage, but spiritual lineage, people of faith, people who believe and trust like Abraham did. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Paul concludes we who believe are Abraham's offspring. So they are, those who have faith, those who believe are the nations which Abraham is the father. They are the heirs of the promise for we have been blessed in the descendant from Abraham, Jesus Christ. And as they moved into the land that was promised to them, I, I think their focus was on the fulfillment, that literal fulfillment of that property of Israel. Today we can see the fulfillment of the promise to that they would bless the world 
in the contribution that the Jewish people have made. Did you know that Israelis have won more Nobel Prizes per capita than the USA, Germany, and France? Their medicines and current research are groundbreaking. Um, some of you know our former elder, Gary Alden. He sent me this good news about some Israeli research. He says, the University of Tel Aviv is developing a nasal vaccine, uh, vaccine that will protect people from Alzheimer's and stroke. Wouldn't that be great? I hope it happens really soon. <laughs> I just say I'm getting older. <laughs> The Bar-Ilan University is studying a new drug that fights viruses by blood. It's called the Vicoy trap because it tricks the virus into self-destruction. It'll be very useful fighting hepatitis and in the future, AIDS and Ebola. The Klob Center has isolated a protein that makes colonoscopies unnecessary to detect colon cancer with a simple blood test. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm thankful for that one, too. And I could go on and on. Amazing. They're, they're in, the intellect God gave them and the gifts he gave them, just astounding. They are blessing the world. But even more importantly, they received and they preserved the word of God, what we call the Old Testament, which is what our legal system in the Western world was based on. I say was because it's changing right now, isn't it? God blessed the world through this nation, but God's promise to Abraham was much broader. He's the father, not of one nation, but many spiritual nations who believe in faith what God has done for us in Jesus. The physical descendants now in our passage were about to divide the land among the tribes with one exception. One tribe did not get a an area of land. And I'm reading Joshua 13, verse 14. To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offsprings by, I'm sorry, the offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to him. And then in Joshua 13, 33, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. So the Levites didn't receive an area because they received the offerings by fire to support them. Leviticus describes which offerings and what part of the offerings um, would go to support the Levites. Um, it, that was to be their pr provision. But much more frequently is stated in the book of Moses that the books of Moses, that the Lord was to be their inheritance. The privilege of serving the Lord in the sanctuary was to be more valuable to them than land. This foreshadows the New Testament saints. We have no inheritance in this world, but the Lord is our inheritance. We're satisfied and supplied by serving him. Joshua 14, 3 and 4 tells us that, that they were given cities throughout the land of Israel. The Levites were given city with pasture land for their flocks and herds. Numbers 19, 20 to 32 instructs Israel that a tithe of all tithe would go to the priests. 
And we can glean from other passages that the Levite clans took turns serving in the temple at certain times of the year. The clan for a special service on feast days was chosen by lot. In other words, randomly uh, chosen. And when it was a certain family's time to serve, the men would leave their wives and children to care for their herds and go to the temple. Even the men assigned to the special tasks were chosen by lot. We have an example of this in Zechariah, the father of John, when he was to serve in the temple, that was, he was randomly chosen at that particular time when that angel appeared to him and told him he would be the father of John the Baptist. God wanted the whole nation of Israel to be priests representing him to the world. So there's the Levites, but then God had the plan also to have the whole nation be priests to the world but they failed to fulfill that role. So now the task is for the people of faith who believe like Abraham did. Following the shadow presented in the Levite priests of Israel, we see it's not wrong for us to own property, but we just don't see it as our main inheritance. It's merely a place for us to reside while we wait for our call to duty. Nor do we minister full-time. We're given opportunities now and then, and, and that's our delight. To be chosen to serve and to help others, to get to know our God is our inheritance. That's what we value above all else, above everything in this world, is the Lord. I mean, which would you rather have, the things he made or the one who made them? There's no comparison, is there? And there are times when we are chosen for special assignments, such as leading someone to salvation or sharing the word of God or standing up for biblical principles in this fallen world. The Lord himself is our inheritance. And that's one reason the New Testament calls every believer a priest. So we fulfill that role that Israel was supposed to fulfill. That's one reason that were children of Abraham. For the scripture says, the Lord was his very great reward. So now in this passage uh, in Joshua, we've come to the distribution of the land to the tribes that were on the west side of the Jordan. And I'm reading Joshua 14, 1 and 2. These are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan which Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the father's houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and one-half tribes. The two and one-half had already received their allotment on the other side of the Jordan, and now they're distributing the land on the western side of the Jordan. Moses had commanded that the sections of land be determined by lot. Again, just like the priestly service was by lot, which leaves everything up to God. God's the one who chose which tribe would get which area. Just like God decides who gets what gifts in the body of Christ or who's called to what service. And that way, no one could complain. No tribe could say, hey, I don't like this piece of land, I want their piece of land, because God shows it. Just like we should not complain about our gifts and our callings in the Lord, because it's the Lord who chooses them. 
the author is very careful to point out over and over through the book of Joshua that Joshua does everything just as Moses commanded. He's faithful to the recorded word of the Lord through Moses. But there was a promised exception to the division of the land by lot, excluding the, the Levites, of course. And this is in Joshua chapter 14, 6 through 9. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again, as it was in my heart. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land in which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb and Joshua were an exception. They'd been given this promise that because they were so faithful when they spied out the land, that they would have a, their own choice of property. They could personally choose their space. The hearts of the other 10 spies melted with the sight of the Anakim, who were extremely tall race of people. And that time, 40 years before this event, they had con the 10 spies had convinced the people of Israel that it was too dangerous, it was impossible, that they couldn't do it. But Joshua and Caleb were saying, no, we can do it. God is with us. We shouldn't fear. We should trust God. They wholly followed the Lord. They believed God's promises. They tried to convince the people that the, that the protection of the enemy was removed and that the Lord had given them the victory. But the people responded by picking up stones to kill Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb's faithfulness, the Lord had told Moses to tell them they can choose their own place in the land. The people, those people that would have stoned them, were, that were judged by that extra 40 years in the wilderness until the entire older generation died out. And only Joshua and Caleb lived to see the promised land. What a warning to not doubt the promises of God. And what an encouragement to have faith and believe in the promises of God. Caleb was 40 years old when he first spied out the land back at that, that time. They, they were in the wilderness for another 40 years and then at least five years of warfare claiming the land. So now he is 85 years of age. Caleb could declare his strength was equal to that when he was at the age of 40. Wouldn't that be nice? He chose the territory of Anakim, which was the Goliath clan, the hill country with its great fortified cities. He said that the Lord may help him drive them out. He isn't cocky about it, but he knows God's promise to do it. He's sober-minded. And unlike the older generation who had their eyes on the giants, Caleb has his eyes on the Lord and the Lord's promises. And with the help, God's help, he did get the job done, as we'll see in the next chapter. 
Three times in this chapter, it says Caleb wholly followed the Lord his God. God said in Numbers 14, 24, that Caleb had a different spirit. That is a spirit that trusted the Lord, not the arm of flesh. In Hebrew, that expression, holy following, is quite a striking word, more striking than it is in English. It's a pictorial word in Hebrew. It describes a, a ship going out in full sail under the full power of the wind. And that is the very keynote of Caleb from beginning to end. He was the man he was from beginning to end because he was all out. Because there was no limitations or provisions with him. He went in for God and his cause, like a ship under full sail, he flung every power of body, soul, mind, and spirit like a free sheet to the winds of God's grace and God's spirit and God's providence. He let go. This zealous dedication was so meaningful to me that I asked that my grandson be named Caleb. Now, Caleb in Hebrew means dog, but it implies faithfulness. And faithfulness is one thing God asks from us because he is so faithful to us. Here's this 85-year-old man who, when given the choice of the best land, he, he could have taken some nice pasture land already conquering with a city that wasn't destroyed. You know, he could have picked this easy place, but he said, I'll take the hills with the giants in them. He says he's as tough as he ever was, and he'll do what the others are afraid to do. He wholly followed the Lord his God, and he drove out the Anakim. So much for retirement, huh? <laughs> There's no retirement from serving the Lord as long as we have breath. When we quit fighting, we lose because the enemy never quits fighting. What stops us from being like Caleb and wholly following the Lord? When we consider what he's done for us, we realize he deserves nothing less than our all. He reminds me of the Apostle Paul who declared, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The priests of Israel were commanded in the laws of Moses to pass on their duties to younger people when they reached the age of 50. I used to think, hey, that sounds good. Maybe retiring at age 50. But they never quit working. They just gave the younger people an opportunity to serve in the temple while they took on other tasks. Chapter 13 started the section of dividing the land because Joshua was no longer physically capable of continuing his role. But Caleb was still physically fit, and he saw that God was with him. Caleb declared in Joshua 14, 10 through 11, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going out and for coming in. 
There was a job that others feared to do. He had the same faith now that he did 45 years earlier when he told the people in Numbers 13.30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. It sounds like Jesus saying, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, amen? He still had this fighting spirit of faith in God's power and God's faithfulness. Spiritual vision means being able to see a situation from God's perspective, based on his self-revelation, and so be able to go forward into that situation confident that God's purposes will indeed be fulfilled, trusting him and expecting him to work. Caleb continued in verses 12 through 14, So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to, gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Caleb could see what God desired and he claimed it because he knew it was God's will for him because he wholly followed the Lord. He would prove to the nation that what he said 40 years earlier was still true. God is able to drive them out. That's real vision. That's faith. In our time, you know, it just saddens me to hear something that's taught in the church at large, that the leader needs to get a vision and he needs to cast a vision to the people. We don't need man's vision. We don't need uh, bigger buildings. We need God's vision. What does God want us to do? What land does God want us to claim? Caleb's vision was based on his relationship with the Lord. He inspired faith in the faithfulness of God. how we need men like Caleb today. Men with hearts after God, not looking to what's in it for them, but how they might serve the king that they love and bring him glory. As God would sovereignly ordain it, my devotional passage when I was working on this happened to be in my, my utmost for his highest and it expressed this very idea so well that I wanna share it in full. It's based on Mark 10, verse 28, in the King James Version, it says, Then Peter began to say to him, Lord, we have left all and followed thee. Oswald Chambers writes, Our Lord replies in effect that abandonment is for himself and not for what the disciples themselves will get from it. Beware of an abandonment which has the commercial spirit in it. I'm going to give myself to God because I want to be delivered from sin, because I want to be made holy. All that's the result of being right with God. But that spirit's not the essential nature of Christianity. Abandonment is not for anything at all. We have gotten so commercialized that we only go to God for something from him and not for himself. 
It's like saying, no, Lord, I don't want thee. I want myself, but I want myself clean and filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be put on your showroom and be able to say, this is what God's done for me. If we only give up something to God because we want more back, there's nothing of the Holy Spirit in our abandonment. It's miserable commercial self-interest that we gain heaven, that we're delivered from sin, that we're made useful to God. These things never enter as a consideration in real abandonment, which is a personal sovereign preference for Jesus Christ himself. When we come up against barriers of natural, natural relationship, where's Jesus Christ? Most of us desert him. Yes, Lord, I did hear thy call, but my mother's in the road, my wife, my self-interest, and I can go no further. Then Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. The test of abandonment is always over the neck of natural devotion. Go over it, and God's own abandonment will embrace all you had to hurt in abandoning. Beware of stopping short of abandonment to God. Most of us know abandonment in vision only. That's the end of the quote. Caleb was abandoned to God. He could have picked a nice pasture land, nice stream beside it, walls already built, but he knew that wasn't God's will. He had a heart to do whatever God wanted, no matter how difficult. He had a heart that matched his name, faithful. And when he sensed God wanted him to take the hardest area yet to be taken, he didn't give his age as an excuse. But instead, he saw that his physical strength remained for the purpose to which God had called him. And then in Joshua 15, verses 13 and 14, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, Arba was the father of Anak. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, who were all, the Anak race was a very tall, powerful race. Hebron was special because in Hebron is the cave where the patriarchs were buried. Caleb conquered giants because God was with him. He did it because he knew God is faithful. He did it because he wholly followed the Lord and had a different spirit. What was true for the Levites was true for Caleb. The Lord was his reward. Is he your reward? There's nothing greater. There's nothing more that you could ask. Anything else falls way short and will never satisfy in the end. Nothing else is worthy of our full devotion. If there's something else in your life that you're following, I humbly ask you to reconsider. The Lord says to those who follow wholly after him what he said to Abraham, I am your shield, your reward, your very great. I hope he is your reward. Amen. Let us pray.
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're so distracted with the world, with the things of the world, and it's so easy to set our hearts on, on even things that we need. But Lord, thank you for the promise that you can be our reward. Help us to put you first. Help us to remember your call to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And remember that if we do, all the necessities will be added to us. Lord, help us not to follow the pattern that Israel did here in refusing to conquer all the land and then having to face the consequences. Help us be like Caleb, wholly following after you. Help us put our sails up to the wind of the Holy Spirit and let you take us just as you said to Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it will. And so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Let your wind take us, Lord. Let us abandon ourselves completely to you, that we might find our everything in you and you alone. Thank you, Lord, for our time of worship. Thank you for Caleb's example. Thank you for the scriptures that teach us and instruct us. Help us learn from it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. God bless you.